It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, June 29th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content is pretty happy Matt Vate Mitchkoff is a Philadelphia Flyer. Runner. Yeah, it's a it's a nice pick and a, a good passing of a first test for the Flyers' new regime. We'll get into that pick, the Oliver Bonk pick, plus all the other goings-on at the NHL Draft, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology and is coming to us from Nashville bright and early this morning. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green checks. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube. We're on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, I talked to Hadi Kalakesh, our Locked On NHL Prospects host here at the network, and that video is in your YouTube feeds and in your audio feeds right now if you want to hear what I thought. So let's get straight to what you thought about the Mitchkoff pick. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, it was interesting how things were falling, and um, I, I, I knew if he fell to the Flyers at this point, we had hashed it out that we both thought he would. they would take him. Like two months ago, I didn't. But I could tell getting closer to the draft that they would. So it was interesting kind of watching their table. Like I watched their table the whole time. Like I watched their table. I watched the Canadians' table. I watched everybody's table. The Capitals, I was watching to see if there was going to be any phone activity. I was watching to see if someone was going to walk over. And nothing happened. So I kind of knew everybody was just making their selections, right? So you take out the element of trade or anything else and you know when it did come down to it i was like okay it's now down to mitch or leonard like that's the way yeah. i saw it and, it and it did that's it came down to that and you have to take mitch every time because he's the second best offensive player in this draft like that's just the way it is some of the other teams now it's it's the teams now that picked other players before the flyers that are going to be watched for the next three four years to kind of see how this works out and not the Flyers, because they had the guts to take them. Absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, in years past, we might have really thought they absolutely would have gone with Leonard. And in my mind, it was kind of like two-thirds of Mitchkoff, one-third Leonard was yeah. the chances. Yes. Uh, when it came to that, I was genuinely, I wasn't surprised Montreal did what they did, given they took Slavkovsky last year. But it was still, it was questionable. Yes. I think like most Montreal people were like, you should have taken Mitchcock. Like, right. I, I think that's what was happening there. And then Arizona, ooh, <laughs> you know, they made it much, they made it very easy for this to happen. Very easy. Uh, kind of going off the board there yeah. with, with their picks. So 
uh, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer and they did the no brainer thing, which again is a very uncomfortable feeling. I think for some flyers fans for them to actually do the right thing there, but they did it. And I think that not only was it a, a great pick and um, a tremendous offensive talent, we all knew the risk going into it in terms of him having the three-year deal with Ska uh, St. Petersburg. But then, you know, we find out, A, there was a secret meeting in Voorhees on Friday, and then they had additional meetings with more people in Nashville. Everything was great. He says, I want to be a flyer. I want to bring a Stanley Cup back to this city. His interview quotes were incredible. Uh, You know, you look at his responses and like, how excited are you to be a part of the rebuild? And he says, I guess that means we'll start winning when I get here. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think he just he did himself really well. Overall. Yeah, he, he, he's not lacking for confidence, which is good. Um, being in like a big market is not going to bother him. He's had the spotlight on him. Uh, there have been times where he was better than Bedard in a tournament. So like he knows this class. He knows uh, what it is to play against men. He's playing against men. The you know, it's the only thing that you have to worry about. And someone brought this up to me. And so I will mention it is that, you know, his owner at some point might offer him like a King's ransom to stay a couple more years. And you don't know if that will happen and what he'll say or do at that point, but mm-hmm. you can't worry about it right now. Uh, so I think he'll end up coming over in two years. I think yeah. by, there's things going on uh, in Russia that I think are going to help um, get some hockey players over here. So I, I think, I think that's what we're looking at. I think by year three, you know, he'll be in, in Philly. That's my guess. And we'll see. So that would be tremendous for them. And at that point, that's where this regime has to have all those other things in place for him. If they, you know, want to take a step. Yeah. And I think that's going to be extremely important. Um, you know, Danny Breer said, you know, it'll happen when it happens because that's what he has right. to say. Um, he also said that it's unlikely that Mitch Koff will be at development camp, which is completely expected. Yeah. Uh, given his pro contract in the KHL, I, I just don't think they would allow it. But um, I do think that Mitch Koff himself hinted that he could be over sooner in than three years. He's like, you'll never know. Um, and it it could be sooner, but I think what it also does to your point is create an environment where you have, uh, you know, maybe you don't call him a generational talent, but you call him an elite level. Yeah. He's an elite level player. I can't call him generational. No. Yeah. But you have this elite level player who's a scorer, who has the motivation, who wants to come here and win a Stanley Cup. If you don't do your due diligence, Danny Breer, and get a team together that he wants to come play to sooner, right? that's, you know, that's the risk there for the Flyers, right? Is that that puts them on notice that, that the Flyers have to do a much better job than you might think otherwise, right? Yeah. In order to get him to come over. Yeah, no question. And and for those people that are worried, like, well, how's this going to work out with John Tortorella? Don't worry about that. Doesn't matter. Things things <laughs> have a cares? way of yeah. Things have a way of working themselves out. I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, a couple other things he said. Um, Mitchkov said he hates losing, uh, which is great. Uh, and actually, I think that jives with John Tortorella 
wonderfully, like in terms of how he approaches the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. Uh, that I think that's that's a big thing. I mean, no hockey player is going to say, oh, I love losing. No, they're not ever going to say that. But, you know, to have that be part of his mantra, that's good. Yeah, he talks about it in a way that um, implies like a drive that maybe yeah. you don't hear it in that way from other players. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, and then the other th- thing uh, we know when we've talked about him on the show that unfortunately, you know, his father passed away in yeah. um, not great circumstances no. recently. And, you know, he mentioned that his, his father would be really proud of him and, you know, the work that, that they've done together. And yeah. um, I just thought that was a really nice note, you know, in terms of recognizing that and that he's, you know, thinking about his dad on a, on a day like uh, yesterday was. And um, yeah, was there really- were a few, there were a few prospects yesterday that had that same situation where a loved one had passed away just before the, you know, draft or in that year or whatever. And, you know, it's tough. And these kids, um, it makes you grow up faster than maybe you want to, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I, I feel for him. All right. Well, the Flyers had another pick in the first round. They went with Oliver Bonk, who we talked about on Tuesday's show, but uh, we didn't get into it in so much detail, but we are going to do that uh, coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by a product I use almost every day, and that is AG1. Maybe you're like me, you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's no longer the case with AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. With one delicious scoop of AG1 and a glass of water every day, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, all of that. It can be hard and expensive to keep track of multiple different supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard it can be on your stomach, but AG1 costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your coffee habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go drink AG1 dot com slash nhl network that's drinkag1.com slash nhl network and check it out all right well we're gonna have more coverage on the rest of the flyers draft picks and any other moves they may make on future shows but today we are going to talk about oliver bonk the flyer selection at 22nd overall and like i said we did talk about him on tuesday and i t- again i talked about about him with Hadi Kalakesh on a separate video. You can watch that. So let's go straight to your take on this, Russ. What do you think? Well, I mean, he he's a good defenseman. He is not an overwhelmingly exciting defenseman. It's not like he has great attributes that you say, wow, this guy just jumps off the page. He doesn't. Uh, I think he'll play in the NHL. I don't think that's a problem. I just think the Flyers went a bit safe here. And that's fine. If that's what they wanted to do, that's that's up to them. I just I looked at what was on the board and I was like, yeah, there was some pretty high level talent on this board that that they didn't um, want to go with. So 
Okay. So we look at Bonk and we say, all right, I don't care that he's a second generation guy. I don't, especially since his dad didn't play the position. So right. his dad's influence so far was cut your hair before the combine. Like that was, his, <laughs> so, so that's so far, that's his influence. Uh, but he, no, I'm sure he did help him growing up. I'm just kidding. But as far as his play, uh, he is a very good defender. He's definitely physical at times. He, his offense isn't great. Like that's the part where uh, he didn't have a good playoffs. There's no way of spelling it any other way for London. And, you know, overall it was an underwhelming season offensively. And so we'll have to see what they can do with him and, and where he goes from here. But yeah, it's not like he's not going to make it. I'm not worried about that part. I'm just like, Hey, you want a little safe here flyers. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that um, just kind of doing a survey of what the other scouts said out there about the pick and, and some other prospect experts, it, it was kind of divided. Some people really thought he was the next best defenseman on the board, and some people didn't. Um, everybody said he'd make the NHL, but I think the divide was, is he a number four or is he a bottom pairing guy? Right, that is and the divide. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, to me, that's a fine line, right? Because a bottom pairing guy is going to step up and be on your second pairing every now and again, anyway, right. right? That's just the nature of the game. So you have to know, can he play that middle pairing kind of defense? Um, and it seems like that this is a wait and see pick. And, and that's what I said uh, on the video with, with Hottie that's in your feeds. It's that he seems to be progressing at a decent pace so that when he would get to the NHL, he should be at his ceiling in terms of that step, you know, to get to the NHL, but yeah. um, he's not going to wow you. He's not going to no. be an elite player, but he should be able to continue the progress that he's been making. And, and it's a wait and see pick. And um, I think that, you know, to your point, you look at the five players that went after him, um, and, and, you know, you and there's may still a few on the board a, that are really good too, right. by the way. Yeah. And so, you know, I got a little Keandre Miller flashback feelings with this pick, you know, cause you have Gabe Perot went next Tanner Molendike after that Otto Stenberg, Quentin Musty, Callum Ritchie. We talked about all of those guys, all of them, all of them with um, a little bit more positivity than we did with Bonk. But I, I, you know, it, again, much like when we talked about the Cutter Gatti I pick, it wouldn't have been our pick, but it was a good pick, right? Yes. And so this is a good pick. It's not a great pick, but it's also a, this could turn out to be a much better pick than we're saying now. Yeah, this is, situation. unfortunately, this pick is kind of like the revenge of Chuck Fletcher's bad work because had they had a second round pick, I think they would have done work yep. this differently. I think... Uh, I actually think they wouldn't have gone for a defenseman. I think they would have gone for one of those high-level offensive players on the board, knowing that, hey, in another 10 picks or so. Bonk will still be there. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't have that option. Yeah. I think that's a fair point as well, that they absolutely would have gone uh, with a different pick here and maybe taken a a chance on on one of these other forwards or thought about Tanner Molendike instead and had the two defensemen to kind of compete with each yeah, other. That, to that's see fair too. Yeah. Who, who made it. Um, but God, uh, I mean, I'm a huge Otto Stenberg fan. So. I like Stenberg a lot. I like Musty a lot. Like, yeah. You know. yeah. So, um, you know, Gabe Perot, I think 
is a it's question. mixed feeling. It's mixed I mean, feelings on mixed, it. Yeah. Mixed feelings, but in terms of the US national team development program guys for me. But Otto Stenberg sitting there was a little tough for me. <laughs> got yeah, say. yeah, yeah. No, it's listen, it was hard for all of us. We were all watching, like, wow, look who's going off the board now. So I get it. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, the conversations that they had with Oliver Bonk after the pick, um, he, he was like brutally honest. He's like, yeah, I don't know anything about Philadelphia, but yeah, yeah. good, good vibes in the interviews. Um, and, you know, he did have a, a sense that the Flyers might take him just because of the number of interviews and, yes. and talks that they had had. Well, he also time. was in their video, right? The, um, mm-hmm. the takeoff or take flight video. He was in that too. Yes. So little little hint there as yeah. to who the Flyers were going to take. Um, but and he also is really honest about his physicality right now that he needs to get bigger and stronger. Yeah. Uh, but he, he knows he's a little skinny. Yeah. I mean, but every prospect is like I never hold out against him. And but he is an engaging kid. He's a good guy. And so I like the character element of him for sure. And that part's good. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing to be said about that, but yeah, this one we'll look at and we'll just decide down the road, like, Hey, how's, how does it, and you know, and look, they put a premium again on the fact that he's a right-handed shot. I don't know if, if you need to. His shot col- doesn't matter as much no. with his play. And I don't know if you need to collect all these right-handed shots, but that's another discussion for another day. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, some of the other things that he needs to work on, I think, are the kinds of things that are improvable in terms of skating skills. Um, and, you know, talking about the style of play in London, you mentioned this when we talked about him the other day, that the system that London has in place doesn't really allow him to do the other things that he needs to learn. Sure, and, and to get better at them because he's all about the physicality, right? In London and, yeah. and using his body, and so maybe he hasn't had the opportunity to build some of those other skills because of the way that he's being used in London. Nope, that's fair, and that's what we'll um, we'll see down the road. That's a good point. All right, uh, we have so much more to talk about. Russ, of course, being on site in Nashville, uh, so we'll get you know the inside scoop on what else went down in the first round of the draft, or what didn't go down. Right. Plus, we haven't had a chance to sit down and talk about the Kevin Hayes deal, so we'll do that coming up next. So, Russ, uh, like I said, we have not had the opportunity to talk about the Kevin Hayes trade to St. Louis for the sixth round pick and the 50% salary retention. And I think, you know, once the big deal didn't go through and they decided to just cut their losses and and take this smaller deal, um, we all knew it was very clear that Travis Sandheim was the carrot in this deal, like getting the return. And um, unfortunately, I think because of the very public situation with Kevin Hayes and John Tortorella, like Danny Brer was in a very difficult position to try and get anything in return for Kevin Hayes because they knew that the situation here was untenable. And so that kind of, you know, takes your bargaining power away. Yeah. Once Krug put his foot down, that was like the only part of the deal where they might've gotten something that you would say, wow, I yeah. wasn't expecting that afterward. Yeah this is exactly what I expected. Like there's nothing more that you could, but, but I get it. Like what I think the problem here was, is just the expectations of fans rose as, you know, media were talking about it and everything. And that's where I think 
you know, the front office needs to kind of plug up some of these leaks pre-trade to kind of like make sure that doesn't happen again because it's never um, a fun thing when all of a sudden, you know, the, basically the fans are thinking, wow, we're going to get like another first-round pick or wow, we're going to get this really good player and you get nothing. And then it's like, oh, you know. So, you know, I, I think that part is correctable. But as far as the trade, he couldn't have done anything else. No, I, I absolutely think that. And we talked about the possibility of doing a Kevin Hayes buyout versus the trade and that the buyout would have been a nightmare on the cap. And so this, you know, 3.571 million cap hit, it's rough for the next three years. Don't get me wrong, but it is nowhere near as bad as a buyout would have been. And again, this money will come off the cap right when the Flyers should be hitting their stride. And so... Yes. You know, I I think it's not great, but it's also I think much better than it could have been. Yeah, otherwise. yeah. I mean, what the big thing now is going to be: how does this fit in with in concert with what's going to happen with D'Angelo? What's going to happen? Like, there's going to be a yeah. lot of dead money this year for sure, and you know, maybe even more going forward, depending on like if Sandheim gets traded. So, you know, we'll see how all of that part works yeah. out. Yeah, definitely have to put all of this in context of everything that Danny Breer does yeah. this offseason and see where the cap ends up, see where the roster ends up for this year one of the rebuild and, and evaluate from there going into the season. Um, the the schedule dropped as well. It did. And uh, the, the NHL has a sense of humor uh, with the Flyers opening at Columbus with uh, Ivan Provorov there. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting because I got the sense that um, they just wanted to get the schedule out of the way. Like, you know how the yeah. NFL makes a big deal about it? It seems like the NHL was just like, Let, let's do this so we can go on summer vacation. Because I was talking to some other reporters. Mark your calendars, kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking to other reporters, and it seems like the schedule used to drop around July 8th or a little yeah. later. And so this time it's like, nope, nope, we want everything done. And so they did it. They just put it out. And – I could also tell you there's definitely murmurs about um, the Coyotes and when they kind of have to – they have a potential drop-dead date for what's going to happen with them this year and going forward. So I have a feeling if they don't strike a deal in the next, let's say, two and a half months, then you know I think they're going to be doing, doing some other planning. The only other interesting thing about the schedule um, is this October 24th uh, – day where they have almost every team playing and they're staggering the starts by 15 minutes, uh -huh. which is something that fans have been clamoring for. So yeah. that, you know, there's always hockey going on. The flyers have the very last puck drop in that schedule at 11 PM Eastern. Uh. So that, that should be a, a flyers after dark to remember it's on a Tuesday. So uh, buckle up, I guess, for that one, as the kids are saying these days. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I wonder if that's like, you know, Hockey Day in America or something. It could be something like that. Well, the Canadian teams are playing as well. So it's, no, I know, it's, hockey, but... it's hockey day for everybody. Well, it's always hockey day for everybody in yeah. Canada. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. All right, Russ. So you were there in Nashville for day one. No trades, which is the first time that's happened since 2007, apparently. Which I applaud because so, I always want it to be about really? the draft. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want it to be about um, the the um, 
veterans. I don't want it to be about the established stars. I want it to be about the future stars. And, you know, like it or not, everybody had to focus on the future stars. And that makes, that's good. I like that. I think that's, I guess that's fair. You know, you're a prospect guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, give me this one day, man. You could talk about all these other things every other day of the week. I just want this one day. And, uh, you know, we talked about the picks above the flyers and what led to them taking Mitch Koff, But, um, I think that, you know, some people thought the ducks might take Leo Carlson, but it still took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. I mean, we, we did the pre-show on Sirius and, you know, we were like, eh, Fantelli's not a lock in this spot and, you know, and had talked about Carlson before just simply because I'd heard it, you know, through the grapevine. So that did turn out to be legit info and yeah, I mean, I wasn't shocked and it was only like a one spot difference between the two guys. So it's just like, Hey, you know, you prefer BMW and I prefer, you know, a Jaguar. I think it's just like that. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And, um, you know, it definitely set things off on a good foot of intrigue in terms of those, you know, up until the flyers took Mitchkoff. I yeah. think, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting to see, you know, who those picks were. And then after that things, um, at least for the next, I would say five to 10 picks went pretty expected. And then the bottom of the first round was kind of insane. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. And, and again, I was, you know, I was in the back for a lot of it. And then I went back to like the radio area. And so you just, a lot of it becomes like a blur, but, um, there was definitely not like, anybody saying wow I, I just can't believe this pick like this is so ridiculously off the board i don't think there was anything like that um but i do think teams uh even decided in the first round like hey um like colorado shot high with 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 Goliath, and that's fine um there's a lot to to like there it's kind of like a mixed bag but you know when you're at 31 you could do that um you know, no goalie went in the first round. I was not surprised at that. I mentioned on at, on the serious show that I didn't expect one to. There will be a run of goalies, probably three, four, five picks into the second round, and there'll be a good run of them. And that's where you'll see that some of those guys going. I did get a um, an exclusive with Jacob Fowler, who will be the teammate of Carter Gauthier, um and Devin Kaplan this coming season. At BC, so that's fans could look out for that. Um, you know, not everybody has to always read about the Flyers, but um, in the end, I, I think it was an interesting first round. I I think now, actually, when we look at this draft down the line, uh, this could be one of the more successful second rounds. I think because of a lot of the players that were still that are still on there. So I think that's going to be the interesting thing for me. I expect there to be a certain amount of success from this first round, but now I think the second round stacking up where it could, there could be a fair amount of success for that. Yeah, I think so too. And you look at, you know, the best available players uh, that are still out there. Um, I, I would be working the phones if I were Danny Breer trying to get yes. into the second round. Um You know, especially, you know, talking to goaltenders like Harable is there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Andrew Cristal, who was our pick at 22 yeah. in the mock draft is still available. So he's still there. Jaden Perron's still there. Gavin Brindley's still there. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, that I like that are still there. So that's a fair point. And I'm sure he worked on things last night 
But once you get out there on the draft floor this morning, if you don't have something like already kind of set, it's hard. Right. You don't get a lot of time. And these guys no, go, come the off picks the board go quickly. Like rapid fire. Right. So that's yeah. where you have to pretty much have the framework set up last night. And then maybe, you know, when you talk on the floor in the morning, you can finish it up. But that's it. You don't get a lot of time here. So we'll see if any of that happens. Uh, uh, otherwise, the Flyers next pick is in the third round at 87th overall. And they've got a whole bunch of picks, two in the third, two in the fourth, a fifth, two sixth, and a seventh. So a lot, a lot of prospects that could be entering the flyer system, assuming no additional trades happen. Uh, any other uh, little quick fun story from the draft floor? I really can't. Well, I will tell you Fantilli. Um, I don't know what was on it because I was looking from a distance because I was covering some other things. But when he took off his um, his Columbus sweater, he had a um, like a vest on that had some writing on the back. So I'm not sure what that was or what it represented. Maybe it was all his teammates from Michigan. I don't know what it was, but it was interesting and something I'm yeah. going to look at today. I just didn't have a chance. Yeah, the inside had pictures from throughout his hockey career so he can oh, like okay. kind of bring – everybody who got him to this point with him. Okay. It was very touching. Actually. Oh, no, this, this kid's got a flair for everything. Like he's, I'm telling yeah. you, I, when I spoke to him, you know, before the season even began, I could tell he was a special guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, it got me very emotional when oh, I saw Oh, there you it, go. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that is a good note to end on. Again, we've got more picks coming and we will give you the skinny on all of the new flyers picks on tomorrow's show. And as a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Uh, we're going to do a full mailbag episode next week with all your questions on the draft picks and free agency. So send in your questions via Twitter at lockdown flyers. You can email us at lockdown flyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R M I R I A M. I'm Russell Matt Sportsology, S P O R T S O L O G Y. Have a great day, everyone.